0: Hi, I'm Neil Pretorius. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of DRD Gold. We're based in Johannesburg, listed also on the New York Stock Exchange. Our core business is the, the retreatment of mine waste or old mine tailings, and we are a gold producer looking to expand into green metals.
1: Neil, very good to have you back. So, you back in March. Uh, how's your year been? It's been an exceptional year, and mostly
0: because of the first six months of the year. Um, and I'm talking July to December of last year, our financial year end is uh, the end of June. Uh, certainly one that we'll remember for a very long time, both because of financial performance and operating performance. Very good gold production and also exceptional financial performance on the back of a, of a, a record high gold price.
1: But has that caused a sort of rod for your own back, as it were, because people's expectations got set? And obviously, since then, it's been a little bit of a trickier ride in in the gold space. Um, I think there's a slight aberration in in May, June, but you've pretty much been moving sideways since. So, um, what's what's your take on on that? Just happy happy that the money came in?
0: Yes, happy that the money came in, and also very happy that we're now in a position to accelerate some of our capital projects. But uh, we, we adjust our expectation of what's normal very quickly. Uh, and a two thousand dollar gold price i don 't think is quite normal. Uh, remember just the peculiarity of last year with COVID and the lockdown and global economic uncertainty and so forth, people rushing back into the arms of gold and then that definitely i think brought about maybe a degree of uh, of artificiality in the gold price for a period of time but but one thing once things started normalizing a little bit, we we'll moved back into some of the other investment instruments that they like, Gold retreated a bit. What I find very exciting and, and reassuring is the fact that support for Gold came in at a much higher level than what we saw in the past. Even when there was a very steep rally or aggressive rally about a month, about a month ago, in a day more than $100 per ounce, it sort of bounced off $1,700 and it now seems to be hovering around $1,800. So, I think the Gold price is still in a very good space. If you could disregard the fact that it was just north of two thousand dollars an ounce for a brief period of uh,
1: time. Okay, well, I don't want to get into some sort of economic discussion, or, you know, around how much money's been printed in the last year with you, because I, I suspect your your answer will be, um, you know, the same as a Lots. lot of people. Gold's got to react to that. It, it, it hasn't for a period of time, settling around eighteen hundred now. Quite frankly, if I said to you two years ago, would you take eighteen hundred dollar golds? You'd have bitten my arm off, wouldn't you? Quick
0: answer and a very short answer: Yes, of course.
1: Right, but the market seems disappointed. It hasn't stayed around two thousand. It hasn't got to three thousand. All of those wonderful targets and conversations that were being had in the middle of last year. Um, but as a as a business, eighteen hundred dollar gold, you can make money. You are well. Well, tell us a little bit about the, the, the numbers since we last spoke back in March. I mean, how do you think you've been performing? Well, well, for the year,
0: I mean, we saw. Revenue up 26%, we saw operating profit up 39%, Uh, headline earnings up more than 120%. So it's been an exceptional year. We we settled into, I think, something a little bit more realistic and uh, supported more by the the fundamentals, the two fundamentals of the global economy at the moment. So you won't quite see similar sort of numbers this year. Uh, The Gold price has come off, uh, as I said, highs. It's about $200 less than what it was. For a, for a large part of the, uh, for a large part of the uh, portion of the year. Um, but it's still, it's still very attractive and it's still allowing us to not only uh, generate the sort of free cash that, that we need to, to cover the, um, um, the, the, the CapEx projects uh, that we need to invest in in order to optimize our asset, portfolio of assets, but it's enabling us to accelerate some of those. We, we did declare a, a dividend, a final dividend, Forty cents, which brought the dividend to eighty cents for the South African cents, which which is uh, you know, a good dividend comparatively speaking. Um, but we still have a lot of cash. Uh, we didn't distribute all of our cash, and that's because we want to invest more in uh, deposition capacity. We want to increase the size of our deposition facilities because that's really the the true bottleneck in in the volume throughput rate that one can maintain. And then we also want to move forward on our second phase on the far west operations that I've spoken about in the past as well. So it positions us really well for for the future. And what we want to do obviously is gold will go through other super cycles at some point or another. And it will also go through, you know, some of the troughs as it usually, as it does. And we do take full exposure to the gold price. So we want to make sure that when it does hit the lows, that the, that the embedded resilience of the business is such that we can see those through without having to sacrifice anything in terms of setup, but we also want to be set up in such a way that we can take full advantage of the super cycle as and when it comes. And that I think that was the, the big thing for us last year uh, towards the end of the year, uh, the first half of the financial year, is that the gold price was high, but we were... So well positioned to take full advantage of that because we saw some very good production numbers coming.
1: Yeah, look, and you you run a very—we've been the first. before and people should look at the links I'll put below um, to the previous interviews. You're a very efficient, process-driven business, and you had a breakout year in 2020. Okay, from where you sat for a long time, a few years before that, real breakout year, the Sabanier Stillwater deal, obviously, kind of, I think, got people a little bit excited. But I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you in the last interview: is Is this just a dividend story now, or can this be a growth story? And if so, how is it going to do that?
0: Yeah, Look, I think the the value proposition that we took to investors in the past was. Um, on the one hand, we take full exposure to the Gold price. We're an unhedged producer. So if you can call the Gold price, then you could use that and trade the stock on the way down and on the way up. And we find that many of our long-term investors, people are long DRD Gold, actually do trade the stock regularly. But on the obviously, there's also the dividend part. There's income. Uh, and in a low interest rate environment, that income is not insignificant. But I do think that with the association with Subrania Stillwater, and particularly the, the example that they've set in the recent past, and, and how the markets responded to how they uh, expanded their portfolio of products, it's definitely opened up new opportunities for us as well. And and we've we've said in the recent past, and we'll continue to to say that going forward, that we are deliberately aligning ourselves with the broader strategy of Sabonja Stillwater, and that could, that that is a growth strategy because they are aggressively expanding into the area of. Uh, of green metals, metals used for the generation and storage of, uh, of green energy, and everywhere where they go, obviously, or most places, there will be mine waste. And we call it stockpile uh, in, in our universe, and we would want to be there. We want to sort of slot in behind them, follow them where they go, and see if we can also take exposure to those.
1: What, is, what does that mean? That's their growth story, and yeah, they're going to create stockpiles for you in, I guess, historically gold. PGMs, we talked about last time, and now recently they're, they're talking the language of battery metals. They, they're, getting they're already starting that process now. But technically, are you capable of dealing with, with PGMs with whichever battery metals, Nickel, Copper, whatever they may be going after?
0: If I look at our skills and our core competency is to move vast quantities of mine waste over long distances and, and set it up in such a way that it arrives in a in a fairly... At a steady rate, uh, we, we can set up management systems within the plant to, to meticulously track every part of the process, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's some metallurgical uh, issues that, that that do not form part in those metals that do not form part of our current skill set, but but those are available. Uh, th- those are you know for for rent. Uh, you, you can go and find those teams. You can go and find those individuals. So uh, I, I think that we could leverage our core competency of. Of waste treatment, uh, the logistical aspect of it, setting up the plant, the management system that accompanies that. Importantly, the ultimate storage of our waste material, um, and, uh, and 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 we should be fine. I, I, th- I think we, uh, uh, in as much as there are shortcomings in what we currently have, as I say, we we can source those.
1: Okay, so at the moment you're dealing with with, with gold, the, the numbers that in the presentation speak themselves. Um, I didn't see so much around the PGM side of things. Is, is that moving forward? It's it's a conversation with Sabania
0: Silbart. Obviously they have a vast footprint in the Rassenberg area here in South Africa, about 70 kilometers of footprint uh, of tailings that at the moment are not being retreated. And and we we part of that conversation if you look at some of their more recent um, Presentations as well, and how they articulate their strategy going forward. You'll see that in the green metal space, they specifically talk about recycling, where they actually expanded quite robustly in the recent past. And then also as part of the uh, of that of that summary of that parcel or basket of uh, metals and a range of activities, they include tailings re-treatment, and, and that's the space that we call, um, the, the tailings re-treatment part. So yes the conversation is ongoing it doesn't happen overnight uh, but it's also you know, it's moving forward and, and it, it moves forward at its own pace.
1: right so, so I'll come back to the growth comp- component there If you're going to follow in the, in the shadow of Sabani stillboarder strategy their growth strategy, how quickly does your growth strategy get enabled you know when can you start monetizing that when do we as shareholders see the benefit of that Well at
0: the moment we're looking only internally, internally within the group itself? What are the opportunities within the group itself? We're also increasingly trying to establish ourselves as almost a, an entity that, that offers value at different levels. So obviously some of these projects like the Far West Gold project, you know, the, the primary objective there was to, it was an, a, a financial objective, an economic objective. Some of the consequences, the necessary consequences of how we approach the business we're going to be an environmental outcome in terms of cleanup and a social outcome in terms of some of the social investment programs that we run. Uh, And it's it's a robust program and and, and I think uh, it's, it's going really well. But increasingly what we're finding are that there are other opportunities where the primary objective might be environmental cleanup and social investment. And it's typically not the sort of project that one would take to one's investors and say, we want you to put a lot of CapEx into this, capital into this because of the, the return on capital, et cetera, et cetera. But you will be saying to your investors that, you know, we have a competency, we have a, a role, a purpose, we could do something meaningful here. There's this legacy of mining, this environmental legacy of mining that is just lying there, which is frankly in certain instances almost an embarrassment. And, and, and we could step in and we could do something about it. And the quality of life, of those living in and around those areas could be enhanced. And the state that the environments in that the planet's in could also be enhanced. And it would come either at no cost or at insignificant cost because of how we want to approach this. Personally, I don't think our investors would be offended by it. I think our investors would actually be supportive of doing something that might not have this vast economic upside, but that that will deliver into an environmental or into a, a social value add proposition um, and and, and, and we, we're having conversations with Subanya Stillwater also in that regard because some of the assets that they acquired are mature assets. They're assets where the, in terms of environmental closure and in terms of remaining uh, economic life, there's maybe a bit of a lag and you need to start planning towards closure right now so that you could get some of the infrastructure necessary for that to do it at zero or very little cost. Some of that in, uh, infrastructure could be repurposed and, and apply it in, in, in that fashion. I think that, that's, a, that's another value proposition, which you know, I almost get the sense that the, that the, uh, the contemporary morality of investment is almost, almost demanding some of that as, as part of the investment story. And then that's un- undoubtedly something that we could do. Considering that we're already using mostly recycled water or gray water in our process, considering that we're going to be aggressively investing in, in solar power, In the not too distant future, so we'll be producing a metal in certain instances at a very attractive rate. All the ones that we're running with now, using green power and grey water, and in the process,
1: cleaning up the environment. It's just I don't think you can you can get any more green than that. Well, look, I I I think look, I think literally and figuratively, the mining industry needs to clean this act up. So I would agree with you. Okay, I agree with you. And there's a big green thematic going through the market at the moment. The narrative is changing for lots of companies. But to give you permission to do that, you need to perform. You need to perform with the share price. You need to perform with, you know, cash cash generation, with the growth story. And, you know, that's really what you're going to be judged on by investors because that's how they make money. You, You can't blame them for that. But so, so there's, it's all about, as with all things, timing. So, can you clearly articulate the growth story today, which will then allow you to have conversations around this remediation, clean up, uh, however you want to describe the 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 outcomes component of your business? Um, you know, so do, I mean, do you think that's a, do you think that's a fair comment? That, you, that that's how your investors are looking at you.
0: I think the intelligent investor will most definitely ask that question. Because I don't think it's up to you know, we don't decide where our investors spend their charity money. We decide we provide an opportunity for them to spend investment money, but we also need to structure that investment in such a way that it appeals to them and that it ticks a number of boxes. Now, sustainable development, which really encompasses both the E and the S of ESG, um, that's been part of who we are and what we do for more than a decade and and it's it's been our social dividend and our environmental dividend over the last decade has been as important to us as our financial dividend and and a company with that focus this company has paid a dividend now for 14 years without interruption it's the company that admittedly after a very good transaction and following a very peculiar year internationally globally also came in top number one out of the, the top 100 companies in South Africa the Sunday Times. So in other words, it was the, the most rewarding five-year investment over a period, over that period in South Africa. Um, and, and, it, and it has this, this sort of approach. So, so I think, you know, what we want to say to the market is that, and this is maybe where we are differentiating ourselves, is that we don't look at social capital and environmental capital as an add-on cost. We're trying to structure the business in such a way that you don't really have to compromise on your financial return in order to also cover the areas of environmental capital or environmental value add and social value add. That's been the essence of of our entire story. And by way of example, I mean, the water that we use, where we use recycled grey water, not, not only does it add to sort of the environmental value add composite of the company, but it's also cheaper because of the way that we structured it. So, you know, it, it delivers value at, at multiple levels. Um, in some of the, in terms of some of the, the social investments that we do, we open up a bit of land every now and then, but you don't buy a DRD Gold stock because of its land holdings. You buy it because it's a Gold producer. So we've taken some of the uh, the the income out of uh, land that had been cleared and, and, and sold. and And that, Goes into the, the social program, so we've got a robust social investment program that that's changed thousands of lives, both in terms of poverty alleviation and youth education. But it's not really coming out of operating; it's not really an operating expense. It's we've, we've just taken another source of income that the market does not consider to be core, and that's cha- that's being channeled into that. And I think that's where the that's where companies are going to be measured on is. Does their adaption of uh, ESG, does that add to the costs, or are they able to do this in such a way that they deliver compelling value financially, environmentally, and socially, or is it coming at the cost of of their shareholders? And I think the smart ones are going to be the ones who actually manage to deliver, to create value overlays. And to create value at multiple levels.
1: I think it'd be interesting if you can it'd be interesting if you can do that because like I think there was a report out of Melbourne University was talking about you know why the real reason people invest in, in cryptocurrencies. There's a lot of rhetoric around oh we're anti we're anti government we're anti authoritarian, but actually the report said actually 80 percent of the people are there to make money right. So that, that that's the truth about investing. And I think with investing in mining, people do ha- are conflicted because of the history of what yeah, m- mining, sure. mining mining has done. And I think I heard someone describe it as uh, contemporary mining must do more, right? So contemporary, isn't it funny how present day is always contemporary, whichever era <laughs> you're in. Um, it's, been, it's been contemporary for thousands of years. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so today's <laughs> contemporary mining must do must be more holistic and look at you know the end, end products. So again, I was talking to someone earlier this week about you know um, remediation bonds and the need for those in different countries, and they treat that they treat that in different ways. Do you think that um, more companies need to bolt on, kind of like Spangy Water seems to have done with you? Well, based on their PowerPoint, seems to have bolted on this. What do you? How would you? Fact, how would you describe yourself? Because I don't want to keep saying remediation or uh, rehabilitation. Is, is is there more to it than that? The way that you're looking at it, there's an economic component. So you've got to make yeah. money. But how do you position yourselves? Well,
0: we, we mine by cleaning up, and that cleaning up involves rehabilitation and restoration. You don't just take the stuff away. You also you also restore the land. You know, there's some residual toxins and so forth that you lift. And we've done nine hundred. We've done nine hundred hectares in and around Johannesburg. That's three times the size, two point six times the size of Central Park. The market didn't even know about this. But but this is a consequence. Of, of what we do, you know what? I don't think the E and the S. If you want to jump onto this ESG wagon and say, yeah, this is who we are and what we are and so forth, the astute investor will still do a quality assessment. If you're not a quality, if you're not a quality operator, if you're not a quality mine. Then he's going to take his ESG money somewhere else. You've got to tick both boxes. You've got to be environmentally Astute, good levels of environmental governance. You cannot be socially indifferent. You've got to add real value and not charity value, breaking the cycle of dependency, adding real social value to empowerment. And you've got to be economically better than viable. You've got to be economically competitive and sometimes better than competitive. But ESG is not going to be an excuse for, for mediocrity. But do you think it's here to
1: stay? Yeah, you know, because if I, I'm I going mean, to quote a fund manager friend of mine said, ESG is actually it it, it does more damage than it does good. Um, It's this period's thing. It used to be CSR, corporate social responsibility. Before that, it was something else, something else, something else. There's there's always a theme to help differentiate for the funds. There's always a theme to help you know companies differentiate so that they can attract money. Do you think that ESG is here to stay in the form we see today? I actually think that. the,
0: the really good companies have for years been astute in terms of environmental governance and social relevance. If you think that your environmental delivery or your environmental value add and your social value add, if you think that that's part of marketing, and you think you can fake your way through it by getting a consultant to write a generic sort of report on, uh, and, and you recite these these so-called values without really doing much, then, I mean, you're not really... You're not going to be around in any event for, for, for very long. The, the companies that, that survive in the long term, that thrive in the long term, are the sustainable ones. And sustainability has very distinct components. So, yes, I think that it is, it might, it might be called something different, uh, but I think true sustainability, environmental and social and uh, economic sustainability, are going to be with us. For many many years to come, it's, it's not going to go away. And and yeah. and you know what? The, the fact of the matter also is, is that the the planet the planet's been damaged. If you look at weather patterns, um, the number of times every year that we have hundred year storms across the world, um, it's there, there's something that there's something amiss. There's something wrong. The world is angry. We've just come through a, a, a terrible crisis. There's so many people who are jobless. Who are angry, who are frustrated because they have nothing, um, and, and the one thing that they also don't have is hope. So your social programs have got to go way beyond charity and, and focus on true sustainability.
1: So it's inevitable
0: that, it, that, that it's going to be with us for, uh, for many, many years to come.
1: Yeah, I think people are angry. They've gone to Twitter. But they are angry. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't joke; it's a serious issue. But um, so as so being a decent, civil human being in terms of your communication to the to, to with other people. Um, can we come back to please the the growth? I, I, you know, like I say, I think we've kind of gone, we've kind of done the green and the ESG, and we understand the importance of it. And actually, how you differentiate yourself, uh, or certainly how Sabani still Stillwater is. Working with you to differentiate yourselves uh, in in the market. Um, I've got to come back to the growth thing for you. Like I say, apart from a slight bump in sort of May June this year, you've, you've pretty much been using, moving sideways. Uh, really, your price, the share price is roughly what it was when we spoke last in, in March. What's it gonna take to start moving your share price? Because you, you're saying that Sabonier conversations take a little time, and that's that's what they are. Is it? Are we going to see more of the same for the next twelve months, or are there moments that we should be looking to? Look, um, obviously we want to
0: optimize our existing
1: portfolio. Now
0: that's not really growth. Maybe maybe that's a bit of organic growth, but we want to make sure that we could clean all of these dumps. We want to treat all of these dumps and, and put all of the gold that we have under our portfolio, all six million ounces of that. We want to put that through our plans. We also believe that because of how we've positioned ourselves, that we can play a role in regional consolidation there's that, there's that opportunity as well. The market might like it because we're slightly bigger in scale, whether it will do much to margin, uh, that, that we'll have to wait and see. But what I do believe is that by slotting in behind Sibania Stillwater in, in this uh, metals initiative or strategy, the Green Metal strategy. I do believe that we're at the start of a very, very long cycle, and we're going to need lots and lots of different metals in order to to bring about this transformation of energy generation and power storage. I don't think the world's going to back out of this. I honestly don't believe that this is just a contemporary thing and we're going to sort of fall back. and We saw last year with with the pandemic, with the lockdown, the hard lockdown, internationally, how animal behavior changed, wild animals, their behavior changed. We saw how the oceans changed, dolphins in Venice. We saw how the skies just opened up and became clear over cities that have been living in smog for decades. And I don't think the world wants to go back to that. The world is fully committed to go forward towards a greener planet. And yes, we'll have electricity, but it'll have to be clean. I don't think that's negotiable. In order to do that, which is actually almost... Um, ironic, a lot of mining has to take place because it's a metals-driven industry. We require metals to do this, metals that you know, we've forgotten about. And that's going to be a very, very long cycle. So I think the smart thing to do is to come into that cycle, take your core skill and apply that in order to also be a role player in that regard. It'll be very exciting. So, yes, I, I think that you know, the, the, the world will make of it what it makes of it. The, the market doesn't buy your stock because of what it's worth today. They buy your stock because what they think it's going to be worth next week or next month or next year. Uh, and uh, and that's also the reason why they sell it. But, but we will continue to do what we do. We'll focus on costs. We'll invest the right sort of capital. We'll position ourselves for you know whatever cycle comes our way. But at the same time, also position ourselves strategically through the right investments and decisions to play part in this uh, in this new cycle, this this long, and, and you know the market will respond to that and identify us as a player in that regard. And as and when these companies are starting to be rewarded by the market, we'll be there, okay. and hopefully we'll be. So
1: Savannah so Stillwater can give you the scale which you're going to need for that growth,
0: scale and exposure. Yeah, exposure first, and then the scale second.